Hello, Barry Wimbolt here with another episode in Get a Better Handle on Life. Today I'm going to be talking about how to heal a broken heart. We've all been there. We've all suffered when our first love broke down or when we experienced some other great loss in our lives. Perhaps it was death that took them away or maybe perish the thought it was something that you did that drove them away. As I say, we've all been there. If you haven't, you've either been incredibly lucky so far or perhaps you simply haven't ever cared much about something or someone so that when it was lost, there was no real effect on you. But here I'm talking about the pain of loss and how to heal a broken heart because it will heal. And if you're going through it now, I'm sorry to hear that, but I can assure you that A, you'll eventually feel better and B, how you handle yourself and your pain now can help decide whether you get through it relatively quickly, and I'm very careful about saying that because there's no specific timeline, or whether it turns into something which is a more drawn out and painful experience for you and may even be rather annoying for those around you. And be sure, uh, some way or another, they'll let you know after a certain time when they think it's time to move on. But more of that later. I'm going to talk about nine things you can do to help ease the pain and to help you along the healing path. Along the way, I'll probably throw in a few more ideas as well, because that's the way it happens when I start ad-libbing like this. Pretty well every week, I get a question about how to ease the pain of loss. Typically, judging by the questions, I think these are, are younger people perhaps suffering from their first great disappointment in life with their intended, as they saw it at the time, the, the great love of their life that was going to go on forever, because it always does when you're that age, doesn't it? When you're in your teens or early 20s and you're blissfully happy with your intended partner, but they turn out not to be your intended partner, because let's be honest, at that age, most of us are still doing doing our apprenticeship in relationships and we don't always make the best choices at that time in life and neither do others do the best in choosing us. But in fact the process is one of falling in love and equally falling out of love and learning about loss and learning about separation because these are the building blocks of a sound and balanced mental landscape for later in life. Because after all, we will all suffer loss and rejection in many forms. It may be a death, it may be uh, a job that we don't get, it may be that we are made redundant, it may be that people reject us in other ways. So experiencing loss is part of the range of human experiences that we will all go through. Just a few days ago, somebody asked me, is it possible to heal a broken heart? And if it is, how do you do it? First, let's think about the idea of healing or mending a broken heart or getting over it or moving on after a loss. I dislike these ideas because they suggest a timeline and sometimes if people are stuck with the pain of loss, there's also a feeling of admonishment or you should be over it by now coming from others or 
even from themselves, they think it's dragged on too long. And certainly some of the questioners mentioned that to me. So the first thing I'd say here is there is no timeline. There is no right amount of time to get over it, as people suggest. It's an entirely personal journey. It's one that only we can do on our own. And it's one that we have to learn from if we're doing it right. And so why should we get over it at all? Because it's part of our learning about life. So let's come back to how to heal a broken heart. Before I get too deep and meaningful and philosophical about all this, let's talk about the practicalities. As I've said, there are uh, nine things that you can do that I've got uh, jotted down in my notes here. How do you heal yourself? How do you get over it? How do you move on? These are perennial questions of the kind that we ask without ever really expecting an answer. If you are suffering in that way, then seriously, I hope this podcast can help you. And remember too, I'm always available to answer questions by email and I'll even set up a, a free Zoom conversation with you if you really get stuck with something relating to this podcast and you'd like a bit of a nudge or you'd like to hear a bit more from me about it. Losing something or someone you love is one of the most defining human experiences because loss is universal and it's inevitable. We all experience it in some way at some time. That doesn't help much if you're, if you're grieving or if you're suffering from loss. You may not see it as grieving. Maybe you're pining for the one you loved, or still love perhaps, who's gone away and is not available to you anymore. But it does mean that we understand what helps. That is... Because it's a universal human experience, throughout history, poets, philosophers, writers, artists, all sorts of people have been talking about this and minstrels, singers, acknowledging how we all suffer. Very little about what to do about it, but there is experience out there and there is information out there, so listen a little further. If your heart is still aching, it can be a growth experience and we can come out the other end stronger and wiser. And it goes without saying, because I'm of a fairly advanced age, um, I've had certainly uh, a, a, gosh, a huge number of losses and sad points in my life caused by death, bereavement, divorce, and all sorts of horrible experiences that are just part of the landscape of life. I'm not moaning about this. It's just what happens. So I am speaking from experience as well as what I know as a psychologist and as a therapist. If recently you've been through a breakup and the emotional pain is still raw and you don't want to hear the make it makes you stronger argument right now, I understand that. I get that. Nobody likes to hear it's all for the best. You'll be over it one day. Every cloud has a silver lining and all those platitudes that people trot out. But at a deeper level, understand that painful though it is, we do learn and grow from these experiences. You may not feel like accepting that at the moment, but just put it in the back of your mind. You'll come back to it in due course, I'm sure. 
Those comments and platitudes that people trot out, of course, are meant as a sort of consolation. But what they often don't realise is that it can add insult to injury when you're suffering. You need sympathy, not promises of a rosier future. When you feel that bad in yourself, in the here and now, the last thing on your mind is the future without the one you love, isn't it? I mean, that's how it goes. But let's take that as read and understand that there is hope. And you know there's hope, really. Some part of you deep down inside knows that. It may be that you're hoping right now to be reunited with what you've lost. Most likely it won't happen. Deep down you know that as well, don't you? But fantasising is quite a useful way of getting through the initial shock. In fact, it's part of the grieving cycle. It gives you something to hang on to. That's okay, you have permission to do that. A little bit of delusion is a great coping mechanism. Just don't invest too much in it, or so much in it, that you block out a better future and all the possibilities that it can hold. The thing is, to be able to heal a broken heart, you have to go through the experience, not around it, not blot it out, not drug yourself, get drunk every day, distract yourself with new relationships. None of those things work. You still have to trudge through the discomfort of the loss in order to grow and come out the other side a better and stronger and wiser person. It may seem like those solutions ease the pain, but in the long run, it may not be for the best and it stops you growing through the experience. But back to right now. If you're hearing this, you're probably looking for something to help you through a difficult moment, or perhaps you're one of those kind people who's listening in order to be able to help somebody else. I'm going to give you some suggestions to follow which include tried and tested techniques. These do's and don'ts will help you get your life back on track. So listen to them, take your time and try them out. And allow time to heal yourself. Little by little, you'll feel you will improve. There's no miracle cure, of course, but miraculous things can happen if you follow the steps and take care of yourself. And by the way, I'll put a link in the blurb to this episode, which has a written version of this podcast. So the nine points I'm going to mention, you can have access to, and that will help you refresh your memory if you need to. We're not alone in the animal kingdom to feel pain, the pain of loss, but we're certainly the most sophisticated in ways our thoughts and feelings are intertwined. This aspect is two-sided. On the one hand, the way we think, our memories, hopes, regrets, for example, keep the loss alive, so we feel it more keenly. On the other hand, because we can manage how we think, we also have control how we over how we understand the tragedy and what the experience means to us. Because it affects us on, on several levels, emotional, spiritual and practical, grief can seem to bring your life to a standstill. This necessary halt is a way for the mind and body to make space for healing. Part of that process is how we make sense of our changed circumstances and prepare for the next phase in life. This is called transition in psychological terms. A change is the impact of the event. So you lose a job, you lose somebody you love, a relationship breaks down. That's the physical change. 
the emotional and psychological transition, acceptance of the changed circumstance and adaptation to a new way of life can take a lot longer. Step one in your recovery is to realise that thinking and feeling are separate activities. Understanding this will give you control and enable you to keep going however bad you feel. As I've already said, I'm speaking from experience. The first thing I would say is be kind to yourself. You suffer a loss, broken relationship, you wake up in tears, you can't get to sleep at night, whatever those things are, may go on for a week or two, even a little bit longer, that's normal. Just be kind to yourself and care for yourself. You have to go through some degree of that sort of suffering. But it doesn't mean it should be stamped out or avoided. Not all people do, of course, but in some form, the impact can be great early on in the process before it dulls to a more chronic and ongoing sort of pain. Of course, everybody's different. We're all individuals, so we all experience it differently. I'm not suggesting that immediately after the last, you will feel like doing what I'm suggesting in these nine points. So be kind to yourself, take time, and when you're ready, here are some things that you can do. Because unwanted feelings hang about longer the more you focus on them. So if you had a bad feeling, simply acknowledge it and move on to thinking what to do next to distract yourself. And by the way, choose healthy behaviours. The suggestions I've got are that if you've been through a rejection or breakup, unavoidably you're going through a process of change. How you respond to this influence is how quickly you heal. And if you're open-minded and you can accept and live through the unpleasant feelings, that will lead you to become more resilient and more able to deal with life's knocks in the future. You won't be able to achieve much by sitting and thinking about how much you're suffering or by filling your mind with bitter thoughts about the other person. By the way, um, you need to remember too that the more you do repeat those negative cycles of thinking in your mind, the more you are reinforcing them and the harder they become to shift. So the trick is to change them, is to do something different with your thoughts and not allow those destructive, negative and all too pervasive thoughts to invade you. They will do, but learn to break away from that. And this is why I said earlier there is a difference between thinking and feeling. These are two separate exercises. You can feel like rubbish, but you can think, I'd better get up and go to the gym because that will help me in the long run feel better. So here are some suggestions. First of all, allow time. I've touched on that. Dealing with loss of any kind involves grieving. Part of the process is how we adjust to change circumstances and prayer for the, prepare for the next phase in life. So allow yourself the time to move through it. This is not a hopeful time. It feels horrible. Many people deal with it by trying to recreate the past as though getting another partner or getting the old one back or getting a new job just like the old one will ease the pain. It can do for a time, but the downside is that you rob yourself of the learning and growth that comes with psychological transition from what was to what is. That's what grieving is all about, healing. Allow yourself time to heal. 
there's no blame. The double whammy of a broken relationship is that at a time when you're feeling broken-hearted, you may also have to deal with intrusive self-criticism. Pay no heed to these unwanted thoughts, even if you're partly responsible for the breakup. Blaming yourself isn't going to help. You can learn from it, file it away and use it as a learning experience. If the separation was totally unexpected, your critical thoughts may be about your failure as a human being, your lacks, your lack of talent, whatever. Just remember those thoughts are out to get you, disregard them and move on. Understand that thinking like that is not helpful and let the thought go. The next point I'd like to mention is to be kind to yourself. Treat yourself with the care and attention you'd give to somebody you love. According to Canadian psychologist Jordan Peterson, people take better care of their pets than they do of themselves. This points out that we often deny ourselves the compassion and the love we deserve. Turn this into action by doing things to pamper yourself, and above all, if a friend was suffering, do the things for yourself that you would do to help them feel better. Learn acceptance. Now, this is a biggie. This really is. I think one of the, the threshold of healing, if I can call it that in rather grandiose terms, is to learn acceptance. We can't recreate the relationship. We can't get the person back. The loss is permanent. Whatever it happens to be, that's a painful note to accept. But acceptance doesn't mean liking. It doesn't mean agreeing with it. It doesn't mean thinking that you were fairly treated if you were unfairly treated, if that's how you feel. But it is an acceptance that this is how things are. Refusal to accept causes more pain, stress, disappointment and general unhappiness. And it often prolongs the suffering. One of the greatest challenges that a person can face is that of learning to accept the things they don't like. So tough though it may be, and maybe you don't want to hear it, learning acceptance in life is probably one of the, the most important psychological gymnastics, if you like. It's a, it's a way of thinking about life. It requires a degree of philosophical outlook, but it's really worth studying this notion of acceptance to help yourself come to terms with an unwanted situation so that you can then begin the healing journey. An important lesson that life teaches us is that there are some things we can't control. And if you think about it, most things we can't control. Hopefully, we learn this while we're young and move on to tackling its consequences and learning to deal with the frustration, anger and disappointment that we'll routinely have to face in life. Accepting something, as I've said, doesn't mean you have to like it. It means you don't waste time judging, criticising, wishing and hoping and all the rest. And it doesn't mean you're over the pain either, by the way. I'm not dismissing it, but uh, this is a, a really big important step, acceptance. You might also think about mindfulness. You've probably heard a lot about it lately because it seems to be just about everywhere we, we look in, in the self-help literature and newspapers, magazines. Uh, it seems to be recommended for so many troubles. But there's good reason for that. It works. It's very, a very effective way of gaining mastery over your thoughts and your feelings. And there's probably no better opportunity than when you're seeking solace to help heal a broken heart. The way to do it is to make learning mindfulness a central part of your personal growth plan. 
taking classes or setting regular time aside to practice will benefit you in many ways. Learning the skills of mindfulness is one of them, but committing to something sends the message to your unconscious that you're caring for yourself. If you join a class, you'll also be building or helping your social life. And speaking of social life, when we suffer a loss, we don't feel like going out much. We feel like crawling away into the cave and licking our wounds. And that is natural and actually desirable at first. But that doesn't mean that it should go on overly long like that. I know people often try to cajole us to go out and have a good time. Well, I'm suggesting you do it when you're ready. But you might have to push yourself a little. And it doesn't mean social media, by the way. That's just a downer. It means people. It means social contact. New people, people you like or admire, people you trust, people who respect you. This may seem obvious, but be choosy about who you mix with. Hanging around with the same crowd isn't always the best idea, so be selective and mix with people whose company you enjoy. If it means making an effort to meet new people, that's good too. Remember, this is about your growth and learning to feel better about yourself. Expanding your social circle also means you'll avoid reminders of the one you've lost and reduces the risk of bumping into them unexpectedly. In inverted commas, by the way, because beware the unconscious mind that just tries to keep the thing alive in devious ways. And speaking of the unconscious mind, what about the conscious mind? You can control your thinking. Avoid catastrophizing, overgeneralizing, exaggeration. These can all increase a sense of hopelessness. You might feel as though my world has come crashing down or I'll never love again or that you've missed some incredible never-to-be-repeated opportunity. But none of these things is true. This is life and these can be classed as what psychologists call cognitive distortions. They're delusions. They make you feel better for a few minutes but they bring you down. Any time you catch yourself thinking unhelpful thoughts, take control, change the way of your thinking. I actually have a post on this called Seven Ways to Change Your Thinking, which I will also put in the notes of this, of this podcast in case you want to take a look at that on my blog. Helping other people is a really great way to boost your confidence, your sense of being in control, your happiness, and even how optimistic you feel. And there's also something in the fact that social interaction, even brief social interaction, these are called weak links that happen as we meet people casually. Perhaps you pick something up that somebody has dropped or you open a door for somebody. Even these small gestures, studies have shown, are a really effective way of helping ourselves. You can do this in a structured way by volunteering, for example, but also less formally by looking out for opportunities to help or support other people. Don't wait to be asked. Adopt a mindset of generosity towards humanity and seek out opportunities. And the final in these nine points is to think about reinventing yourself. Any change brings an opportunity for personal growth and learning. You'll be impatient to heal a broken heart, but you can also use the time to design a new you. Maybe you restyle your look, 
but ensure too that you change your outlook to match. It's what's inside that will carry you through this. The outside stuff, like how you dress, how you behave, can help you, of course, but also the change really has to happen on the inside. Give some thought to how you want to become and the things you'd like to do. Take the time deliberately and consciously to think, OK, there's this big moment in my life. I've had this loss. How do I want to be moving forward? Create some sort of vision, if you can, and move towards that. The world is full of opportunities and the future hasn't happened yet. Go towards it in a spirit of personal reinvention. Be brave and banish any negative thoughts that get in the way. And as Dr. Seuss said, when something bad happens, you have three choices. You can either let it define you, let it destroy you, or you can let it strengthen you. So I hope that's given you a few little thoughts about getting over the pain of a broken heart. I've covered nine ideas. Allow time for yourself. Be kind to yourself. Don't beat yourself up. Learn acceptance. Try mindfulness. Build a social group. Get out more. Control your thinking. And remember, thoughts and feelings can be separated. So get mastery over your thoughts. And help another person. And finally, the ninth point. Use this opportunity to reinvent yourself and start something fresh and build on becoming more of the person you want to be in your life as you go forward. The points here I've mentioned work. They have all been proven and I've helped a lot of people over the years by talking about these things. I've also, of course, helped myself. So now it's over to you. I hope you feel better soon. I hope you can translate these ideas into something that's useful for you. And please go forward with my best wishes. So that's all from me. And this is Barry Wimbolt saying goodbye for now.